Maestros per Gimel Mishnah Zion 3.7. Now we're talking about other kinds of homes and whether they constitute the nature of a bias that would require the taking of tithes. But these homes are temporary or quasi-temporary homes. And the point of the Mishnah, you know, in the broadest brushstrokes is that temporary homes don't count. They're not a home. And therefore, those aren't the kind of homes that necessitate taking of tithes as opposed to permanent homes. But we'll see there's some some uh, nuances. So first we say Hatsrifen. Hatsrif is like um, kind of like a teepee. Um, it's like a log is tilted. You know, there's no flat roof on top. It could be circular. It could be it's like an angular point. But the point is it's just, you know, sticks balanced together. Vaburgnen. A burgen is... Um, like a storage room, like a makeshift little storage area outdoors um, for keeping stuff in the season. And Veha Ilkatios. Ilkatios essentially are are what we call a sukkah, basically four posts and a little roof to keep shade. Um, it's set up in the summertime to keep you cool, but it's not really a home. It's just a you know a, a dwelling uh, in the shade for the summertime. All those are, those are all temporary structures, and therefore paturin, they're all exempt, uh, meaning that if food that has had gemar malacha passes into it or through it and that doesn't and you're bringing it home to your permanent home the fact that you keep it temporarily in a temporary home doesn't necessitate the requirement for uh, taking tithes if you eat vechilas arai same goes for sukkas ginosar sukkas ginosar are little huts that they've built in the region called ginosar it's like a i'll call it a town or area um, along the Kinneret, there's a town called Ginnasar today on the Kinneret. I'm not sure if it's the same place or not. But Ginnasar in the time of the Mishnah and Gemara was very famous for having um, tremendous fruit output, very fertile area. Today they grow a lot of bananas in the modern-day uh, Ginnasar in Eretz Israel. In any case, so in their time, since people live out there as they're harvesting, they would set up little Sukkot, little huts. So the Sukkot of Ginnasar, Afopisha Yeshbo Rechaim Betarnagolim Paturim. When it comes to sukkah of Ginnasar, even if um, you've got the trappings of a more permanent establishment, meaning you've brought in a rechaim is a like a hand mill to grind wheat into flour, and tarnagolim chickens, you don't usually bring your chickens in, your livestock, um, into a really temporary dwelling. So these are, I guess, like more extended temporary dwellings, summer homes or something like that, if you will, um, during the harvest season. It doesn't matter. It's still patura, it's still exempt because it's not really a home, says the Mishnah. Now, Sukkah Yotram, the hut of a potter, someone who's making pottery. So the way these were set up was there was sort of like an, an inner room where he slept and an outer room, which was his workshop. And um, the Tanakhama, therefore, says, Hapanimis Chayavis, since they would live in the inner room, um, that inner room is considered to be a home, such that it, it requires taking of tithes. The Chiddush being that in the winter time. You know, it's like, it's, I don't know, you know, in the winter, the proper winter when it's raining, um, the potter doesn't have sufficient shelter in his sukkah and he wouldn't stay there. So it's not an all-year-round dwelling. Um, nevertheless, the Tanakhama holds, since it's a most-year-round dwelling, that's sufficient to call it his home and therefore necessitate the taking of maestros. Um, but the chitzona, the outer area, which is his workshop, um, that is patura. That area is exempt because it's not a home. He doesn't live there. He just works there. And um, even if he sells things occasionally, his his wares from his workshop, it's not just. It's primarily a workshop, not a showroom, and therefore it's it's exempt. Rabbi Omer, Yossi disagrees. Rabbi Yossi says, for a home to be a home that requires the taking of tithes, it has to be a year-round home. And the sukkah, a yotram, the potter's home, is just um, a home when it's not cold and wet. 
Uh, and that being the case, Rabbi says, even the inner room of the potter doesn't constitute a home that would necessitate the taking of tithes, but the halach is like the tana kama. Finally, we have the question of what about a, a sukkah proper, meaning the sukkah of sukkahs. So if one brings produce into his sukkah, must he not tithe it necessarily? So Rabbi Yehuda is going to say yes. Sukkah sachag b'chag, when it comes to the sukkah on the holiday of sukkahs, Rabbi Yehuda is machayev, produce that goes inside there must be tithed. Um, but the chum potron, the chum say no, not necessarily, um, not at all. Now Rabbi Yehuda who holds in Mesecha sukkah that a sukkah, although it's a temporary dwelling, one lives there just for seven days, it has to be appropriate and sufficiently, let's say, sturdy and robust to live in year-round. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, a sukkah is a home. You may only live in it for seven days, but you could live in it year-round. And that being the case, Rabbi Yehuda says such a home is obligates the taking of tithes. The Chum, on the other hand, say no. A sukkah could be a temporary dwelling that really couldn't stand up year-round as long as it can stand up against, you know, the expected winds that come during the season of sukkahs. And that would be sufficient. It doesn't be so sturdy and, and, and robust. It could last a whole year like that. Um, and therefore, Rabbi Yehuda, who holds this as a robust permanent home, says, yes, you must take tithes, whereas Rabbi Yehuda would say, no, not necessarily, um, do not require the taking of tithes in a sukkah, on sukkahs. And the halacha, in this case, follows the chachamim, that a sukkah is not, a conventional sukkah is not machayev, the taking of tithes.